great song. I'm grateful, too, for the Cooperative Baptist program. And not everyone in our church probably grew up Southern Baptist and maybe not even aware of what happens. But all the churches, when we give an offering every year, put that money together and help missionaries so they don't have to come back and worry about raising financial support every time they come back to the United States. And it's just a way for all of us to work together to get that message out. And we're going to be seeing different uh, vignettes each week, being reminded of our missionaries. We are in Romans chapter 5 this morning as we look at verses 12 through the end of the chapter. And uh, encourage you when you find that text to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Master, thank you for the news that swallows all other news. Grace. Love shown forth in Jesus. Father, how awesome, how wonderful that you have lavished your love upon us that we might be children of God. And we thank you for that, and I pray that as we look at your truth this morning in your word, Father, may we be reminded of how great you are as we contrast the one man Adam with the one man Christ, and as we look at the result of both, and the hope that is found in what otherwise would be hopeless. And Father, that we might look to you, and that we might find hope. 
because hope is what is needed. At times we feel as there is no hope. And yet, there has always been hope because of God. So, guide us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We go on a a couple of chapters further, guys, in Romans 15, verse 4. There is a powerful word of Scripture that that gives us some insight into into how God uses the Scriptures, how He uses His Word to to impact our lives. And, And the verse says, For everything that was written in the past... And, you know, that's what we have here that's collected for us in a book we call the Bible and where we have God's truth and we learn about God and, and, we, and we learn what we need to know from God and about God. And, and, and it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. You know, we need schooling from above. Was written to teach us so that through endurance... And man, sometimes it feels like that all you can do is just kind of hold on. You get yourself in a position and you think, I am just barely holding on. And you know, it's always been precious to me, guys, to know that it's not about how tight I can hold on to God or how firm my grip is. It's about He's holding on to me. And, and that's, that's the beauty of grace and that's the beauty of His love. Is It's not about how tight a grip I've got. It's about how secure we are in Jesus. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, there is encouragement all through here. When we look at His truth, sometimes we're convicted because our lives don't match up where we need to be. That's true. But the ultimate end of the Scriptures is hope. The encouragement of the Scriptures provides hope. Deep, powerful, clear hope. Through this life, uh, especially in the church, there is this battle that goes on. And it's a battle between guilt and grace. The idea of guilt is, oh, this is what I've done wrong. And you live with that. And the deep regrets and the men, they, they pursue you like, a, like an old wolf wanting to you know, eat you for dinner and is after you. That, that's guilt. And then there's grace. And that's what God wants us to live in is His grace. And He wants us to know His grace. And, and the guilt is only good in that it leads us to grace. It's not where He wants us to live. It's not where He wants to keep us. And, and yet so often we're, we're just controlled by that guilt. And that, 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 that's, that's what moves us along. And, and uh, you know, it seems like uh, a lot of times in a church there's a moral cop. There's that person who's there that is watching you, just looking for that opportunity to, to nail you with some transgression that you've done. And uh, Psalm 39, verse 1 says, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. He says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch my words and I'm going to watch my ways because I'm God's representative. But, but, I mean, let's face it, especially those moral cops, a lot of times they're looking for something so they can talk about. And, and you know what it says, don't talk about it unless it's good. And then you got that person says, they call and said, they said, don't talk about it unless it's good. And this is good. Let me, let me tell you about it. 
heard a story of a, of a guy. He had just moved into town. He came to this church. He, he liked the church, but sure enough, he ran into the moral cop. He should have put a muzzle on his mouth when he was around her. He quickly learned she was kind of like that. She came up to him one day after church, and she said, Fred, I saw your car parked in front of the bar. It's the only bar in town. I know it was your, I know it was your car. He says, now, you, you don't need to drink. You don't need to be an alcoholic. It'll send you to hell. And she went on and on talking about alcoholism. Fred didn't say anything. He just stood there quietly. He thought about it. And then he walked away. Then later on that evening, Fred drove over to her house and parked his car and walked home. Think about that a little bit. We don't always know what's going on in people's lives. And we can jump to that guilt. We're going to guilt them where they need to be. <sighs> guilt is only to get us to grace. It's not a place to live. It's not a, a place to stay. You Look in your notes. It says you may be able to, the word is compel, you may be able to compel people to maintain minimum standards by stressing duty. But the highest moral and spiritual achievements depend on a push. I mean, don't depend on a push, but a pull. You can push people and push them and push them. But what's really attractive is when Jesus is in a person and you find yourself just pulled toward them because of the grace of God and the power of Christ. You can only push them so long. But the pull of God is what makes the ultimate difference. As you go back to the Garden of Eden and, and you go back to that first fatal encounter and God said, hey, you can enjoy everything in the garden, but there's this tree in the middle and there's this fruit and you don't eat of this fruit. That's my only command. And, and guys, you know what happened? The, the woman and the man both, they, they ate of the fruit and then sin entered the world entered the human equation. And, and from that point on, it said that at that moment, they were dead spiritually. There was no spiritual life. There, there was no direct connection with God because there was now this, this barrier that blocked the relationship with God. But then later on, there was physical death that entered the picture it says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's what it's entered in. As we get to our text in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, he starts out with that word, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, as we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, there were four illustrations of grace of faith, grabbing hold of grace and justification resulting as God looks at us in our sins and declares us pure and clean and righteous and holy because of the work of Jesus Christ. We come to verse 12 here, and, and, and now it's introducing another thought in regard to the fact of how He looks upon us, how He loves us. He starts out here and He speaks to us in the Scriptures and, and gives us the insight in verses 12 through 14 of humanity's ruin. And this is where it all fell apart. Notice what he says here in verse 12. He says, 
Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. So that first contrast, it's between Adam and the fall and Christ and the cross and and, and righteousness that that came from that. And, And look what flowed according to Scripture here. As sin entered the world, it came through Adam. It came through that act of disobedience. And connected with that is death. Sin and death are buddies, best friends. Where you find one, you find the other. Where you find sin, there is death. And, and, and you know, years ago, and I know I've shared this, God spoke to my heart about the two words that come together with sin. Sin separates. It brings death. Sin separates, and as sin is followed, and as sin is enjoyed, and as sin is indulged, we're separated. Separated in relationships. It can bring death to relationships. Relationships of people that are meant to be together, but sin comes in and, and, and brings death, brings separation. That relationship, um, it brings separation and, and often uh, the death of good health. And, and I mean, we can go on the illustration, but the two come together and then ultimately because of sin, there's physical death. We're headed out of here. You know, someone has said that the statistics of death are very good. One out of every one people die. <laughs> and And... That is the picture um, that comes uh, early before Moses, before the entrance of the law. It was general. (laughs) The description of uh, sin was general. But the law, as it came, it became specific. Notice here, verse 13, before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. In other words, well, let's look at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. You see, the, the law made sin specific. You, you could define it. You, could, you can say, this is why I'm a sinner, is you're able to see the sin, and you're able to put a name to it. Before that, it was general. But how do, how do we know before that time of the law where it was spelled out specific that sin was in general? How do we know that sin was alive and that sin ruled? Nevertheless, death reigned. Because people died. That was what happened through sin. Death came. Death came. Notice the contrast of the calls here in verse uh, well, verse 15 of the result. The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Notice the contrast. In the contrast, the many died. And it was through that one man. But praise be to God that there's another through which the grace came through, through Jesus Christ, and it overflowed. As I said last time, it wasn't just a drip or a trickle. His grace overflowed to to people. Where one brought the sin, the other brought the grace. That's so needed. Verse 16, there's a contrast to the cause. Adam's trespass is contrasted with God's free 
gift. The gift of God's not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. One brought condemnation. In other words, man, there's no way to stand before a holy God. There's no way to enter into God's presence. There's no way to have our sins forgiven. That was the condemnation that came as as sin entered the picture. But then the other came. Jesus Christ came and that changed. Hope became a result of that work that He brought upon us. The, The grip of sin, the control of sin was broken because of the power of Jesus through the way of the cross that was evidenced through the way of the resurrection that His power is made available to us freely that He declares us righteous as He works. As He works. Notice the contrast in verse 17, which is a contrast of choice. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? I want to read it. This is a paraphrase uh, through the message. Some of you may own the message. It's, it's not an exact translation, but the attempt was to try to take our modern language and put it into our culture. So it's, it's not a word, word translation, but it often has a powerful, uh, trans, uh, powerful paraphrase or wording. This is verses 12 through 14 in the message. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone... But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Who will get us out of it. That is, that is the picture. There, there's the one who got us into it and the one who will get us out of it. And that's the hope. Um, let, let's look at the words of comparison here in verses 18 and 19. He says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. See, there's only two choices here. There's either condemnation or there's salvation. There's no in-between. We're already, according to the Scriptures, plagued by condemnation. (laughs) And I love that further on as we get to Romans 8.1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is the one who frees us from the condemnation. But that's where we are without Christ. Christ brings salvation and Christ frees us from the condemnation. That's what He makes available to us as the Scriptures so beautifully tell us. It's one way or the other. Thomas Kempis, a, a thinker of the early church, said, 
Without the way, there's no going. Without the truth, there's no knowing. Without the life, there's no living. Hey, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. He said, well, I'm the life. He's the life. He's where the hope resides, where where it dwells, where it is, guys. People are drawn by a pull, not a push. People only come so long to a place that's filled with... With guilt and, and, you know, you have to be here and you have to serve and you have to fulfill this list and you have to, yet you're ob- obligated to do this and to do that. That's not the, that's not the gospel. The gospel doesn't come out of obligation. It comes out of the realization that, hey man, I was, I was in complete trouble without any hope and God came to my rescue. God came to deliver me. God came to get me out of this mess. That's the power of God, and that's grace. And that's what He calls us to live to. It's, it's not that push, it's, it's the pull of grace that, 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 that we receive, that, that comes to us. Um, notice in verses 20 and 21, the reign of a believer in His awesome grace. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The law was added to to point out our sin, to make it specific, so that we can be aware of where we really are next to a holy God. So we can we can define our need of a Savior. So we can see our mess and see how much we need Him. And that, that's what the law was for. But He says here in such a beautiful way, He says it was added so, um, so the trespass might increase so we might see more clearly. But it's not that we see we're without hope, guys, because it says where sin increased, grace increased all the more. No matter my sin, no matter what I've done, His grace is more. His forgiveness, His love, His mercy is more. It's, he's, he's able, more than able to forgive us and, and to bring us into His friendship with Him. That's the power of the cross. That's, that's, the, that's the glory He provides. It says, so that just as sin reigned in death, like I said, the buddies were sin and death. That, that, that's where those two, that, that's the result, sin and death. But he says that through grace, also grace might reign, might be in charge, might rule, might be the, the new kingdom through righteousness, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's to be what moves us. That's to be what motivates us. That's to be our motor. That's to, that's to be our hope. Um, that's to be what He provides. Some say, well, you know, that sounds to me like it's that old saying of it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission. So, you know, I'm just going to go do all this stuff and then I'm going to say, God, forgive me. That's not the heart, though. When you get a taste of His grace... When you get a taste of His forgiveness, when you get a taste of His deep, deep love, you're changed. Um, look at six one. I, I know we're not supposed to go on ahead, but uh, six one and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live any longer therein? 
He says, guys, that's where we used to be. We're set free from that. We don't want to go back to that. By no means. That's a ghast. That's, that's not what we want. Once again, from the message 18 through the end of the chapter, he says, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us in alive. I love the way that said. We're just getting us out of trouble. He got us in alive. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God. And put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did not produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Isn't that good? The aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life. A life that goes on and on and on. World without end. That good news. It's a good news. We're called to live in that good news. Not in the news of just guilt. Uh, I close with this uh, from Robert Farrar Capon. His book, Between Noon and Three. Where he addresses this idea of, um, won't grace just lead us to, you know, just forget about God and just say, it's okay, he'll, he'll forgive me because he's like that. And I want you to hear as I close this paragraph. You're worried about permissiveness, about the way the preaching of grace seems to say it's okay to do all kinds of terrible things as long as you just walk in afterward and take the free gift of God's forgiveness. While you and I may be worried about seeming to give permission, Jesus apparently wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't afraid of giving the prodigal son a kiss instead of a lecture, a party instead of probation. And he proved that by bringing in the elder brother at the end of the story and having him raise pretty much the same objections you do, <laughs> he's angry about the party. He complains his father's lowering standards, ignoring virtue, the that music, dancing, and a fatted calf are in effect. Just so many permissions to break the law, Dad. And to that, Jesus has the Father say only one thing. Cut that out. We're not playing good boys and bad boys anymore. Your brother was dead, and he's alive again. The name of the game from now on is resurrection, not bookkeeping. It's resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we are together, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that the name of the game is not bookkeeping. It's not being muddled and, and trapped in our sin. It's resurrection. You resurrected from the grave. You providing resurrection power to weak people like me and my brothers and sisters here. You, Father, it's about you. It's about resurrection. It's about hope. It's about grace. And I pray this morning, you know where we are, God. And I pray that we run to a Father that wants to embrace us and to pour grace out on us instead of guilt. Uh, but that comes when we run to you, not away from you. 
It's not just an excuse to say, I, I don't want God in my life. Rather, it's an invitation to say, I want you in every part of my life. And, and I pray, Father, I don't know where we are. Bring us to the altar if we need to pray. Bring us to the front if we need to share a decision with the people of Jesus who are here. Uh, Father, keep us right where we are if it's a decision that's private, but you don't mean to stay private because you want it to impact everything about our lives. Father, this time is for you. And so may we just simply respond to the nudge of your Holy Spirit upon us, God, to grace. And uh, so, Father, work among us, Lord, in this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.